So when you need a little peace of mind, come on over, boy, anytime. I'll keep you happy and so satisfied in my house, in my house. And when you need some love and tenderness, and it's me, baby, that you miss. Here's the key to unlock my door to my house, to my house. Dun, 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 in my house, welcome here to the JB Show. I am here. I'm your host. <laughs> oh man! Hello, everyone. So welcome to all of you. Welcome to the JB Font Channel. I'm your host, James Font Leroy. It's so good to see all of you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Today is Tuesday, August. 8th, I'm sorry, August 30th, sorry, 2022. So good to see all of you joining me here today. Just to let you guys know that the JB Font Show is available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So you can subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. So you can also follow me there and see the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also see me on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, as well as the Savvy and JB Show on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. I also like to encourage you to also give a thumbs up if you like what you're watching, as well as if you're new to the channel, please take that beautiful, beautiful appendage of yours and smash down that subscribe button. If you do, I may promise you cookies or a trip to my house. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that, but it's the thought that counts, right? Hey, also click that link bell, ring that bell, just to let you know whenever I go live. Shout out to everybody who is a patron on Patreon and Coffee. They're all their names are scrolling down below. If you can, please, uh, if you are a patron on Patreon, thank you so much for your support. And if you wish to become a patron on Patreon, the link is also scrolling down below as well. Thank you so very. Ooh, I'm 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 caught up with all this emotion. Anywho, I just want to thank everyone for being here, and I want to do my customary salutations to everyone in the chat. So, first off, we have Robin Ryan saying, first full day back in what I dub an office, and you make me gasp before the show even starts? The convergence of Dr. Wolf and the Aquas? Wowzies! Good morning all, by the way. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, by the way, I got my tea. Tea, 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 tea. It is delicious. It's so delicious. Okay. Also, Bestie, sweary fairies in the house saying, "Hey, besties. Hope you're all. Hope y'all are energetic and comfy today. Yep, we're all settled in, squishy in our chair. All right." Who else is in the chat today? All right, Terry Connolly saying, good morning, JB and RBM fam. Good morning to you, Terry. Nice to have you. Nice to see you. Bryce is saying, JB, sup? Sup, Bryce? So good to see you. 
All right. Hey, Robin. There you go. Or, or hey, wait, wait. Okay. Like, uh, like Ella Cool J. You know what I'm saying? Ha! <laughs> you didn't think I knew that, did you? Yeah. All right. All power to the, the workers says, great topic, JB. Been thinking a lot about this. I live in Texas-Mexico border, and there have been lots of conflicts over the Rio Grande's river water. I think that it's a true reason for militarization. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you so much. Extra Booyah! Uncle Warren is in the chat. So good to see you as well. All right. Girl, don't start with me. Don't start. <laughs> I see what you said. <laughs> AG is in the chat with thumbs up. So good to see you, AG. All right. Marina says, hi, JB. Hi, chat. So good to see you as well. Roger Meadows, the man with all the plans and all the info. So good to see you. Seeing I watch this episode, I will have a whole lot to say on Rockman. Prepare thyself. <laughs> okay, Mr. Meadows. Okay. I will make sure I am prepared. So good to see you as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And yes, I know exactly what you meant. We get each other. All right. Where Pilgrim is here saying, hey, everybody. All right. Where Pilgrim. So good to see you. Actually, it's a good time for me to, you know, take another sip. You know what I'm saying? Because this tea is really good, you know. Mm. And by the way, little known fact about me. I make my tea very strong. I have four tea bags, just in one cup. I know it's a lot of caffeine. But it takes a lot to run all this. All this. It takes a lot. Okay. Um, wait, one more sip. Mm. Okay. All right. We have Cobra Commander. Cobra Retreat. Hi. First time viewer and a long time snake person. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, isn't it interesting though? Okay, before I get started, isn't it interesting? How Cobra Commander sounds exactly like Starscream. Think about it. Cobra Commander, Starscream. There's the exact same person. Right? The Decepticon leader. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Baba Yaga Forest Dweller says Wolf is coming. No, no. It's a clip. But I'm, re I'm reacting. I wish. Look. What did I did it, the way I worded it? What? Let, uh, be honest. Was the way I worded it? Did that sound clickbaity? Because if it did, then I will. Uh, I'll change the name of the episode. I didn't mean for it to sound clickbaity. Because now I'm thinking. I'm like, wait a minute. Did that sound clickbaity? Because I'm reacting to a video of his. Because if I if I if I had him on, I would say. Dr. Richard Wolf joins, and I would have had like a big picture of him on the cover. Just be honest with me, because if it if it does sound clickbaity now, I'll change the name, you know, after I'm done with the stream. I just didn't want it to make it sound like that. So I, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell people. Wait, wait, wait. You guys, you ever watch the uh, the Wayne's Brothers? Shh. Don't tell nobody. 
Um, I was going to say, damn, JB, you got the wolf. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I just I just don't want it to seem clickbaity because I don't like when people do that to me and I don't want to do that to anybody else. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, if every if anybody feels that way, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to sound like I was going to have him on. I would love to have him on and I need to get his information so I can invite him on. And Dr. Wolf, if you're watching, I value your work and I, you know, value every, you know, what you have to say about the economy. You know, from a Marxist perspective, I, as a socialist, value it very much. I would love to have you on so we can actually discuss, so we can continue to help educate people on actually what a better system is. And I think from an economist perspective, it's great. And I actually want, please come on my show, Dr. Wolf. Okay. Let me not sound too desperate. I would just love to have you on. <laughs> I also thought for a second, but I realized it was probably a clip. Oh, yeah. I'm, I may have to, yeah, I may have to, I may have to change up the wording a little bit just to make it more, um, less clickbaity. So I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. But to, while we're talking about Dr. Wolf, he did his economic update, and I try to watch, you know, whenever I can, you know, because it's important for us to know what it is, uh, what is really going on, especially, you know, when it comes to our perspective on the system. If you get a capitalist economist, this is basically their preferred system, right? And so even if they may have critiques, they don't think of anything else as better and they don't necessarily see any other system as better because, well, they're, they're conditioned to believe that capitalism is always better until somebody like Richard Wolf comes in and just, you know, breaks down all those arguments. And so hopefully, um, you know, through maybe my channel, I can help people in order to understand the critiques of capitalism and why it is detrimental really to us, you know, collectively. And so I hope to be able to do that. And it's not just with Richard Wolf. I I want to get in touch with other economists that are anti-capitalist because they see things from a different lens. You know what I mean? So I, I want to do that. AG, he actually has been on RBN before and he actually has been on Wasabi before. So he has. Um, he's just never been on my channel before and I've never got a chance. I've never got the, the privilege to meet him. So I would love to meet him. Uh, there's okay. Before we get, before we get on, I'm going to meet Dr. Richard Wolf. I would love to have, um, I'm trying to get Danny Haifong on. Uh, we're working on that. It's just Danny's busy. He's a busy man. So I, I totally get it. Um, I'm also trying to get, um, Margaret Kimberly. I would love to get Martin Kimberly on. Um, I would also love to get, oh my goodness. 
Cynthia McKinney, Ajimo Baraka. I would love to get him on. Um, I would also, um, I would love to get some other people on. Um, I, my brain is blanking on on other people who I would love to get on. Just like mention some. Oh, um. Cornell West. I would love to get Cornell West on my channel as well. I've met Cornell West and I was in an interview with him on RBN, but I would love to get him on my channel, you know, to have a conversation too. Um, I, I would just love to be able to have a discussion with him about the state of the United States and, you know, uh, get his opinions on, you know, the latest news on different things, you know. Um, so, yeah. Did I? Wait. Big Mad Crab. I didn't say hello to you. Hello, Big Mad Crab. Good to see you. I didn't get to say hello. So I want to make sure that I get to you. Good to see you as always. Oh, and Yipper. So good to see you too in the chat. All right. Yipper 99. We're going to party like it's Yipper 99. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. All right. Let me see. Okay. Um, now, um, I like to remind everyone: there's a giant water reservoir right under our feet here in the U.S. that is owned all by Nestle. Oh yeah, Nestle's horrible. We're gonna have to do a Mad Max war in, in those fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those companies they are they're horrible, but. Uh, but yeah, there's a few people that I've always wanted to have on. Dr. Richard Wolf being one of them. Um, and so, actually, I would like to see, like, if you're watching, especially on the rewatch, who would you like to see on my channel to talk, you know, to have a conversation? Like, you know, please comment down below. Uh, and if you're a chat, you know, let me know who would you like for me to have a conversation with. There's a lot of people who I who I would like to talk to just to get their perspective on things, you know. And I know we're not going to agree on everything, but I definitely wouldn't mind, you know. Oh, and Ralph, Ralph Nader, Ralph Nader would be a big one. If I look, yo, if I got Ralph Nader before Savvy did, oh, that'd be so funny, because she gets everybody before me. I would love to at least get one person that Savvy never had on before. <laughs> She's getting everybody. She's getting Congress people now. She's getting, you know, uh, former presidential candidates and governors. I mean, I'm proud of Savvy, but don't don't get me wrong. I would just like to get somebody that he, she's never had on before, too. I think that'd be kind of cool. I don't know. Wouldn't it be weird if I had got on Barack Obama? I have some questions for him. And he hear an earful from me. But, yeah. All right, let me see. Jackie uh, Lookman from Lookman Nation and the Black Carl Media. Uh, Quaker Anarchist mentioned uh, you to her as well as some time back. Oh, Quaker Analyst, Anarchist is, uh, she is a real one. I'm telling you right now. Um, she is, she's a sweetheart. 
and she is she is a comrade's comrade. I I just got to say that about her. Um, I, I I appreciate her so much. Remington Greg, public citizen. Okay. Hakeem and anti-conquista folks. I don't know who that is. Um, Evan Greer, fight for future media consolidation. Some interesting names. Some interesting names. John DeDuncan. Never heard of that that person before. Okay. All right. <laughs> it would hurt to ask for Obama. <laughs> so, okay. So, we're 20 minutes in. I don't want to waste more time. Let's get to this video that uh, Dr. Richard Wolf was actually talking about. Talking about. Um, let me make sure I get to the right number. Uh, let me see. At exactly 10. Okay. All right. So I want to make sure I have that set up and ready to go before. We get this on, and uh, you know the thing is that you know this is uh, something that I wanted to uh, react to, and this is it, it, it. It's heartbreaking, though. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, it breaks my heart. But we have to know this information in order to in order to uh, grow. So that we can also know why we're why we're why we're fighting, you know, the system that we're fighting. So let's go. Because to be honest with you folks, I couldn't quite believe what I saw. Two point two million Americans, okay, two point two million of our fellow citizens now live under conditions in a household without running water. And by the way, my understanding is these numbers don't count the homelessness because we don't worry about whether they have running water in their home because they don't have a home. We're talking about those with a home that lacks running water. The worst off in this regard are the indigenous Americans, the original ones. On the Navajo Nation, 30% lack running water. That's about 173,000 people. If you're an indigenous citizen of the United States, you are 67 times more likely to be without running water than if you're white. If you're black or brown, you're twice as likely as if you are white. So for those of you who don't know, the, the structural inequality comes right down to whether or not you've got a sink, a faucet, a toilet, and all the rest of what running water means. If this does not break your heart, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. The mere fact that you have millions of people, millions of our fellow citizens that do not have running water. Think, think about that. I really want you to, like, okay, 
I think pretty much all of us have been through this, where you're at home and they may have to work on the water lines so you cannot use the water for a whole day, right? Or even a few hours, right? Do you realize how often we use the water in our homes without even thinking about it? You're using water the moment you wake up. What do you do right when you wake up? You go to the bathroom to what? To pee. You go to the bathroom to pee. And then what do you do? You flush the toilet. But if you have no water, you can't flush the toilet. Then you have to wash your hands because y'all better wash your hands because, you know, if you're not, you're a nasty ass. But still, you, you have to wash your hands, right? With what? With water. What do you do to brush your teeth, right? By the way, I always eat breakfast first, then wash my teeth. Brush my teeth because number one, you don't actually want that toothpaste taste when you're eating breakfast. Number two, you're supposed to brush your teeth after every meal, so it'd be more logical to brush your teeth after you eat breakfast. But that goes without saying. Anyway, but you have to brush your teeth, right? You have to wash the dishes. What do you what do you do if you have dirty all dirty dishes and you have no clean dishes? Well, you have to wash it with what? And my thing is why do we live in a system that even allows one person to go without without running water? This is the United States of America, and we literally have people who don't have running water? Am I missing something here? Am I missing something here? And please do not come in the chat and be like, well, it's their personal responsibility that they should have running water, blah, blah, blah. If you put a barrier in between people that's financial in order for them to have something that they absolutely need to live, that's that's evil. Like, look, we have to pay for water, right? We have to pay for water at the point of service. It's funny because... We don't have to pay for air at the point of service. Well, knowing these capitalists, they'll probably try to make us pay for air at the point of service, too. If it was up to them, we would probably have to pay every single time we turn on the faucet. Gosh, this is this, this is depressing. But it's necessary for us to know. Let's go. Now, how do the people then survive? I mean, water is something we need. And the answer is they have unregulated wells, springs, livestock troughs. And the problem with the millions who drink from that is that it can pose serious health risks. The water like that isn't treated. One of the things that I want to bring up is that, and people don't really realize this, 
It is more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich. What do I mean by that? Okay. When you're rich, when you have plenty of money, there are so many preventative things that you can do in order so that you won't end up having to spend more money. For instance, someone who's poor, like myself, we don't have that luxury of always having the money to go, set, for instance, to see a dentist for regular checkups. Some people may be in between where they're too, they, they make too much to have the adequate uh, social, to be under the adequate social programming for them to, you know, go to a dentist for free. But then some people may make not enough in order to be able to afford proper dental insurance so that they can use that. And even then, you still have people who are underinsured because they have to pay co-pays, deductibles, and premiums. So they go without getting that dental checkup. And then, hold up, hold up. Let me show you something. Because you can't fit, because you can't afford all of that, when you do have a, you know, something wrong happening with your teeth, let's say you have a toothache or something like that, then what do you do? You pick, you pick up some, you pick up some Ambisol or you pick up some Oragel and then you have to use that because you can't afford to be able to actually go to the dentist because now guess what? You let something go for so long to the point where now you need something more emergent. Same thing goes with the rest of our health. Same thing goes with our mental health, too. We may end up experiencing different traumas, and then we don't get to work through them. And the next thing you know, down the line, we end up having breakdowns and depressive episodes or, un, or undiagnosed mental illnesses because we, 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 we passed it off over and over because we can't afford it, because we can't afford the preventative medicine. We can't even afford the healthy food that will help us keep our bodies up so then it won't break down as easily. It is more expensive to be poor. And it, look, here's one thing, I, and I told this to my brother a, a day ago because he, goes, he, he, just got a, he just got a vehicle. Thank God he just got a vehicle. Poor people get their cars repaired. Rich people get their cars serviced. I'm going to repeat that. Poor people get their cars repaired. Rich people get their cars serviced. It also goes the same with your body. Who goes to the emergency room? Unless a rich person experiences a, 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 a sudden health problem they had no idea about, or they get into an accident, they're in the emergency room. Why are why are poor people in the emergency room? Because they they had to lay off, not lay off, they had to basically ignore a lot of things because they couldn't afford it. So then by the time something emergent happens within, within with their mind or their body, and then they wind up in the emergency room. Or they actually don't have enough money to pay for a doctor. And so they have to go to the emergency room because the emergency room, by law, has to treat you. But if you go to a clinic, if you don't have the money, they don't have to treat you. That's what this country is all about. If you don't have insurance, well, pff, sorry to be you.
And so that's the way it operates. It is more expensive. So I'm circling that back to the point where you have people who are so poor that they do not have drinking water. They do not have clean water. Then guess what? Some of the water that they do have access to that's available to them is untreated, dirty-ass water. And then in order to survive, they have to drink that. But guess what comes down the line? Health problems. It is more expensive to be poor. It is more expensive. It's even more time expensive. Because guess what? In order to be able to at least make it, you have to work up to an amount of hours. Because guess what? You're, you're, um, you're not making a living wage, right? So you're working a whole lot of hours. You can't spend as much time with your family as you would like to. You cannot spend as much time with your friends. You don't have that leisure time, which is integral to every single human being. Do not let anybody tell you that leisure is not important to human beings. Leisure, regular leisure, is also very important to human beings and is a necessity. So if anybody wants to, wants to you know, come after me on that, guess what? I'm dying on that hill. But anyways, people do not have access, not even access. They don't really have it. And so guess what? Then even when it comes to our time, that expensive time is constantly spent on working in order to try to keep up ourselves. But even still, we can't. So I want people to realize that putting financial barriers in between things for, that are necessity for us to live literally means I know you do these things to live, but because I want the profit for it, I'm willing to let you die. That's basically what you're saying when you put a profit uh, incentive for these things. Because we literally, we literally could actually make all the water usage tax-based, free at the point of service, just like with electricity, and then spread the costs among everybody. We could. I mean, and don't get me started on these big businesses that use a whole lot of water. Guess what? They have all these tax breaks and all these other different things. So we're still already paying for it. There's absolutely no reason why a person in this country, number one, should, should, should not have a home and should not have clean drinking water in their faucets. Absolutely no reason why. The system is sick. Hang on, before I do that. Marina, damn good point. Nobody, companies should own water. Exactly. Thank you. It's been tested, and in many cases, particularly around the Navajo, Uranium and arsenic traces are found in the water. 
And if you have bad water, you get sick. Exactly. Here's a statistic to think about. Mm -hmm. The Navajo Nation, in the Navajo Nation, mm -hmm. the mortality rate from COVID was 33 people per every thousand cases. In contrast, neighboring Utah, state of Utah, averaged five COVID deaths per thousand cases. Utah, five deaths per thousand cases. The Navajo people, 33. Here's what was said by Secretary Holland herself, an indigenous American, quote, having modern water infrastructure is not only crucial to the health of our kids and families, it's also important to economic opportunity, job creation, and responding to the intensifying effects of climate change. Denying running water to people used to be thought of as something one sees only in those parts of the world called emerging economies or less developed economies or any one of those other phrases but it's right here at home in the United States. And it discriminates as horribly as many other institutions around racial and ethnic differences. Something to really think about. This greatly affects the people of the Navajo Nation. If you noticed in my uh, thumbnail, in the background, there's the great seal of the Navajo Nation. I put that there because of this. Our indigenous family, our indigenous family is suffering because of the inequities of this system. They're the first people of this nation and they're suffering like this. As a part of a people that's suffering in this nation, it hurts my heart because I don't wanna see other people suffer. Gosh, this, this, this country really did a number on the indigenous people. It damn near wiped them all out. So when it comes to, you know, if you, if you can support, you know, indigenous people, in this nation, please make sure to do so. Even if you can give something like mutual aid, or if you could just direct attention to their actions. You know, I know a lot of indigenous groups are also water protectors. And for that very reason, and this is why they're so crucial when it comes to the fight against these fossil fuel companies, the line three protesters are our real true heroes because they're literally trying to protect the cleanliness and the quality of our water so that they and we don't die from drinking the thing that's supposed to sustain us.
And the thing is, and the thing that really grinds me right now is that our government doesn't give a crap about the first the first people of this nation. But that's what capitalism does. It's, it's dispassionate. It does not care about who it affects. It's, it's a cancer, and that's all it knows to do is to grow until all the resources on this planet are gone. You know, it's just, yeah, it 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 is depressing and it breaks my heart. Why do you think I have to start off the stream happy, just so that I can give myself a cushion before I listen to this again? Because I had to listen to this before. This is not my first time listening to this. This may be your first time listening to this, and I'm sorry, but yeah, this is what our indigenous people are. Are going through in this country. And my heart breaks for them. Their 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 culture, their languages have all been under attack. Now they're including their bodies have been under attack. And this is time for people like me to be an ally to them. Just like there are a lot of people who are allies to those of us who are black, people like myself also need to be allies to our indigenous people. Allies to different groups because they also are suffering in some way, shape, or form. Just like I as a man have to be an ally to women, both trans and cis women. I have to. Because they are also a disenfranchised people. We have to make sure that we look out for the people who are hurt the most. If you're indigenous and you, and I feel bad because I should have asked this beforehand. But if you know of any mutual aid groups or foundations that need assistance at me on twitter at me on twitter or um i'm gonna put my email into the description so you guys can email me if you need to and then i will spread the word for these groups that need help especially a lot of you know of these disenfranchised groups because it is absolutely important and they should not be going through this because I love when a uh, friend to the, to, the, to the show, Afini, says this. She says, we save us. So that's what we have to do. Am I indigenous? No. I, I did it in Ancestry, too. I don't think I have really any much indigenous blood in me. Anyway, I heard I may have. But a lot of black people hear that. But even still... It doesn't matter. We need to help one another. Lift each other up. 
And so if you can do that, if you know somebody that's indigenous or if you, especially if you're close by, you know, a reservation or people who are members of that, of different nations, it could be, it could be, you know, Navajo, it could be Choctaw, it could be Blackfoot, it could be Seminole. I don't care what it is, you know, just, you know, support. Oh, I have an echo. Do I? I'm sorry if I do. Uh oh. Maybe if I uh, turn it down. How about now? Do you guys still hear an echo? Hang on. Let me stop sharing. Let me know if I still have an echo, okay? Because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want you guys to have an uncomfortable experience watching my my uh, my stream. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. My um okay my bad I'm sorry, okay. Okay I'm sorry about that okay, thank you very much guys okay I I, I see thank you so much okay. But yeah the uh, the point you know that I want to make is you know we have to you know do the best we can for ourselves, because there's really nothing that we can do you know, uh, as far as there's nothing really we can't accomplish if we do it collective, collectively and together. So that's basically what I want to say. Let me go to the chat about this subject before I move on to the next story. But, oh my goodness, this really hurt. I, I just hate injustice and I hate seeing people suffer, you know, and I know you guys do too. And, and I'm sorry I had to bring this news to you guys like this, but this is also very important. Thank you, Robin. But $110 million a day to Ukraine for war over last year, beginning last August. Yeah. We have homeless people. We have people who don't have running clean running water and yet we're funding a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine and yes there are yeah a bunch of them are Nazis and they literally are openly Nazi there and yet we're spending billions billions over there and yet we still have homelessness. Yet we still have people who don't have drinking, clean drinking water. Are you serious right now? This economy is prioritized to war. Yes, that is also true. Yipper says in some states you can't collect rainwater. Yeah, it's like Oh, that's illegal. 
And then you try to ask them why, and they'll be like, well, you can't filter. I'm like, you can't filter it. I'm like, have you tasted the water out the faucet? Have you tasted it? <laughs> this doesn't taste too filtered to me. Gosh. And imagine, imagine people who, um, imagine how much water people can save, you know, like if they live in like cold, you know, up north and it snows like a big snowstorm and then they had this big vat and they can just fill, fill it up with snow, right? And then it melts into basically rainwater and you can continuously fill that up and you have this big reservoir filled with water, you know? Even if you don't use it for drinking, you can literally attach a hose to it and use it for your gardens or, you know, during the dry times or something. You can use it for that. But no, no, we, we you know, it's like, no, we can't, we you can't collect the water that falls out the sky. Falls out the sky. That's like cloudy with a chance of of meatballs. Like you literally can can, can collect the food that falls out, falls out the sky. You literally have the thing that sustains us, the thing that actually keeps us alive, that falls out the sky, and we can't collect it and then use it to keep ourselves sustained. That's the crazy. What? Are you kidding me? You know, I, you, you, you know, I agree with you, Gore, son of none. You know, I agree with you. Gosh. That's uh, big mad crap says that's true. You earn money when you have money in the bank. You lose money when you don't have enough money in the bank. The system is backwards. Yes. How many of you have to keep a certain amount of money in your savings or you'll get charged. Like, what is that? Like, what kind of, what kind of mentality is that? You're charging me for not having money in my savings. And we, we, we have, we live in a digital age. So in order to, it's not like you're taking a physical space. So if I don't have any money in my savings, then you're just going to keep charging me. You could just keep it at zero and, and and not charge. It may be a couple of of bytes, you know, on on a, on a on a server. That's probably as much space as it takes, and you can have terabytes of that. Just change the number when I put it, when I finally put money into savings. Just don't charge me. Uh, Cobra Commander says, what blows my mind is there's no city in America experimenting with better urban design. We could build better, we, I'm sorry, we could build our cities to utilize things like water runoff and easement or even areas that catch ground water. Hmm. 
Robin says, absence of portable water makes lots of other nasty things not just possible, but expected. No excuses for this. Well, Pilgrim says, I had a water main break in my neighborhood a while back. The city provided a truck with water for the block while things were getting repaired, but it was a rough couple of days. Thank you so much for that. Yes, rich people also have multiple cars. And then once their car reaches a certain amount of miles or a couple of years of age, then they actually, a lot of rich people, they'll just get rid of it and then buy a new one. That's it. Oh, okay. So you're half Navajo. Okay. Cool. Cool. Solidarity with you and your people, uh, Bryce. Definitely, man. Goodness gracious. Yeah, Gore 79. Credit scores are only 30 years old. I think they were, I think credit scores came out in 1988, 89, something like that. Hello, Cameron X. So good to see you. Yes, all power to the workers. Same logic as overdraft fees, a tax on being broke. Like, if I didn't have the money in my account, what makes you think that charging me any more money to my account is actually going to make things any better? Because now, not only am I, like, like for instance, let's say I'm $50, uh, I had $50 taken out of my account, and it's now, you know, uh, minus $50. So what about making it from $50 to minus $50 to minus $85 is going to make things any better? So now you're charging me that much money to pay somebody that I charge something. I get if it's like a small fee, maybe like like a like an overdraft fee of like $10 or something like that. But does it really take $35? 35? Uh, Cobra Commander says collecting rainwater should only be a problem on the East Coast. Uh, they actually have groundwater rivers. West Coast is just uh, Caligi. Hard as rock. I don't understand why we don't design property. I think you're continuing another part two. Oh. Okay. Yep, definitely. $35, more than half a day of work if you're making minimum wage. Exactly. Beverly Jensen says, village idiots like Bezos, Zuckerberg are building meteor mining companies. Yeah. 
yeah, they 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 actually won't stop until because the thing is that th this capitalist model is actually they're gonna they're trying to actually expand and go to another planet so that they can continuously deplete that planet of its resources, you know, so that they can make more money. It's how many of you guys, how many of you saw Independence Day? Have you all, you know, heard saw that movie? So if you haven't seen it, sorry, spoilers ahead. My apologies. But one of the things that's communicated to the president in the movie, uh, when they were uh in basically Area 51 and they uh the, the researchers were operating on the alien, and then he basically communicated to him uh what they what they do. As he said, they're like a cancer moving from planet to planet, depleting it of its resources, and they move on. The aliens are actually people like us in capitalism. We're just very early on the stages of it. Depleting the planet of its resources, then moving on so that you can deplete the planet of its resources so you can continuously make more money. That's basically what it is. So where do we have our sights on now? Everybody's talking about Mars. Oh, we can go to Mars. Elon Musk is like, yes, Mars. Elon Musk is basically going, is, is basically creaming his genes just so he can get to Mars. And they also want to do it to asteroids and mine them and things like that. But why? What for? Don't we have everything we need on this planet already? Well, yeah, we do, but they want to extract all the resources from it. And so if you can't no longer extract resources on this planet, then what, what do you do? You have to move on. So that's the way it works. Jeff, so good to see you, man. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Nice to have you. Um. Jeff and I, uh, man, what was it like two years ago we met in person? Say hello to the wife and kids for me, man. Cameron X says the 1% needs to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They continue to get rich by taxing and punishing poor working people. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of, look, I do not, I no longer want to pay for your trust fund babies. I don't want to continuously pay for your Gulfstream jets. I don't want to pay for your yachts. And I don't want to pay for your second, third, fourth, and fifth houses. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't want to pay for your Bugattis. Stop making me pay for your Bugattis. Stop making me pay for your Bugattis and pay up when it comes to public education. Let's go. Get me, get me started. Don't make me get out the hose. All right. So let's go on to the next story. This is going to be another one. Um, let me check for any comments on The Rock. Nothing yet. All right. Now, next story, because I know that you guys have been waiting for this one. Let's uh, actually, you know what? Let me let me take this out really quick so that it doesn't take up more of my bandwidth because we don't need that. I'll keep that up there. 
Okay. Share audio. And all right. So look, my boy Case Study QB is doing the damn thing. Please make sure if you have not subscribed to Case Study QB, please make sure to subscribe because he does some great work of always clipping out these news clips for us. He literally has to sit there and watch it. And he suffers for us, for our benefit. Give him and his channel a follow, Case Study QB. My love and respect to you, brother. Um, so this is from MSNBC. And here we have reporting. The wife of Alan Greenspan, Mrs. Greenspan herself, Andrea Mitchell. Yes, she's literally the wife of the former federal uh, Fed chair, Alan Greenspan. Yes. Uh, and so they're talking about Social Security. Oh, boy. Now, as somebody who does receive Social Security uh, benefits, and I have family that does, let, let hang on. Let me enlarge myself again before I before I get into this. Let me tell let me tell y'all something, okay? I want y'all to come close, and I want you to listen very closely. And I said this in a tweet, and it got some traction, but I want to make it known on this channel. You who are listening within the sound of my voice or watching my mug on this screen, you're going to face one of two eventualities it's inevitable you're either going to become disabled or elderly or both it's going to happen and if it didn't happen then you just did one of those two things are going to happen to you they're going to happen to you if they haven't happened already. With that being said, paying attention to Social Security is very important for every single one of you who are listening or watching right now. I am not playing about this. Because everybody seems to think when you think about Social Security, oh, that's something for old people. We don't have to worry about it. No, 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 my friends. No. Because let me tell you something right now. I don't care if you're 22 years old, 21. I don't care if you're 37, 38 years old. You're young and spry. You go to the gym, stuff like that. Disability can still happen. And if disability doesn't happen now, you're going to get old. So this means that you must pay attention to things like this. Take it from somebody that is disabled. Are you listening now? Okay. All right. All right. So let's enlarge this back. Take it away, Mrs. Greenspan. The Social Security program in the U.S. is so important to most voters. Some have called it the third rail of American politics, actually for decades. And now some Republican candidates from Blake Masters in Arizona to Senator Ron Johnson in Wisconsin are floating ideas for changing the program. 
and Democrats are hoping they will pay a big political price. Uh, this whole idea of privatization goes all the way back, in fact, to the Ronald Reagan years. Joining me now is NBC News senior national political reporter Sahil Kapoor and White House editor for political though, Sam Stein. So, Sahil, you wrote about how Democrats see this as a big opportunity. Why are some Republicans taking this on now with the midterms approaching? Andrea, there's no master plan coming from the top of the Republican Party here. These ideas have come about organically as many of these Republican candidates campaign on uh, tackling inflation by cutting government spending. And when asked to get specific, many of them invariably mentioned the need to cut spending on these retirement programs like Social Security and sometimes Medicare, just given how big a part of the federal budget they are. Let's put up a list of some of the prominent Republicans floating this. There's Blake Masters, a uh, Senate nominee in Arizona who recently made waves by calling for privatization of Social Security. There's Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin facing re-election, who's called for uh, shifting Social Security from a mandatory program to a discretionary program. What does that mean? It means Congress would have to reauthorize it every year or the funding would go away. There's Rick Scott, who uh, several months ago proposed a plan that would put all federal laws in the chopping block every five years unless Congress acts, uh, passes a law to continue them. Those programs would include Include Social Security. Uh, and then there is the Republican Study Committee, led by uh, the man you see there, Jim Banks. It's a group of about 100 influential House Republicans. They proposed a budget in June that would include long-term changes like raising the retirement age in accordance with lifespan and uh, reducing benefits uh, over the long haul by indexing them to a lower rate or rather a slower rate of growth. Uh, now, there is a split within the party because many of the old guard Republicans, such as Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who were around for the 2005 debacle when the Bush administration tried partial privatization of Social Security, they're not touching this. Uh, they know that it could be politically lethal with voters, and Democrats are trying to exploit this issue, drive that wedge between the Republican coalition, you know, with the fiscal conservatives on one side who support these changes, uh, with the base of older voters in the party who like Social Security get spooked by the prospect of any uh, cuts to that program. I put these questions to uh, the Blake Masters campaign because he's been back and forth on this issue. I want to put up what he said on, or rather what they said on the screen. Uh, his campaign spokesperson told me that uh, Blake Masters is not backing off his support for private accounts, but he wants them to be in the future. He wants them to be optional and only for younger generations who are not currently getting Social Security, Andrea. Well, the whole theory behind Social Security and these other entitlement programs is that they have to be mandatory because they'll never get renewed, especially not now in a 50-50 Senate. I remember all the way back uh, from White House Chief of Staff, James Baker, James A. Baker III, you know, said that this is, you know, this is the third rail and we're not going to touch it. And there were Republicans then trying to do it. So it just seems as though this is a really tough issue to be taking on. But if you want to deal with the deficit, Sam Stein, the only way to deal with the big money in the deficit is to go after entitlements. That's why Democrats have always said it should be off the table. By the way, the whole thing about it being the big part of the budget is absolutely complete and utter bullshit. And Andrea Mitchell knows this, but yet she's working for corporate media. So she's going to peddle the bullshit. Going back to the video. Yeah, I mean, you can politify Social Security by actually raising the threshold of payroll taxes so more people pay into it. It gets elongated as a program. There's other ways to stabilize these entitlements other than cutting them. Uh, and I think 
you know, if what's interesting here to me, at least, is is the the politics on the Republican side of things. Like, I mean, Donald Trump is unconventional in a lot of ways. One of the ways he was unconventional is that he was the first uh, Republican presidential candidate in modern times who overtly was uh, aligning himself with these traditional bedrock entitlement programs. He did not want to touch Social Security. He did not want to touch Medicare. He made it very clear that he thought it was a political loser for the Republican Party. In fact, he was hypercritical of Paul Ryan's budget at the time. Um, you know, with him out of the scene, a new generation of Republicans come up. Uh, they are maybe less uh, less chastened by that uh, possibility. Um, but I will say um, the fact that Mitch McConnell, for instance, is not speaking out on this, the fact that Kevin McCarthy has not endorsed any of this stuff, does signal to me that, you know, there's enough Republicans out there who know that this would uh, rebound on them politically and don't want to touch it at all. It doesn't mean the Democrats can't message on it, though, Sam. No, it doesn't. Uh, of course. <laughs>They're trying to once again do exactly what Joe Biden wanted to do years ago. Yep. Joe Biden, including, he also wanted to do it too. And don't think he still doesn't want to do it because guess what? He may still want to do it, but he'll probably act like, oh no, I really don't want to do it. But the Republicans, the you know, the Republicans, oh no, the sun is in my eye. Oh, no, they're actually going to cut Social Security. Oh, I, there's nothing we can do. I think Joe Biden's going to be like that. But anyway, they've been tr constantly and consistently trying to cut Social Security for years. And trying to privatize it. Now, the whole thing about... Uh, it being this big amount of money that, you know, gives us this big deficit, blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Actually, you know what? While, while I have it here, uh, let's do this. Uh, let me see. Oh no, that's that's a, that's not the government website. I thought it was a government website. Never mind. Okay. I let me see. Never mind. There's typically never mind, I'll just go with this. Um
if it'll pop up. Uh, let me. Okay. Oh no, that must have been years ago. That was 2016. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have brought this up. I was just thinking about it just now. You know how when you think of something and you're just like, oh, well, let me do this, and it happens like just now? I can't stand that. Let me see. Uh, let me at least go to 2020. Yeah, I'm not. It's not going to happen. Anyway. But my thing is, is even still, everybody talks about we need to cut entitlements. First of all, I know a lot of people hate that word entitlements. They're like, you know what? We shouldn't call it entitlements because that's just a dirty word. I don't think so. I don't think so. The fact that they call it entitlements is actually accurate. Is that they made the word entitlements into a bad word. It's just like they did the same thing with things like socialism. Like, they made it into a bad word, right? But you literally are entitled to it, right? And a lot of people, particularly a lot of capitalists, don't like it when you actually get money from the government and circumvent them from making profit off of it. And so because you circumvent them and get and and then you get, you know, help from it. Don't Roger Meadows, I'll get to your I'll get to your uh comment on Rockfin in a second. But we may, you know, get money from the government, be, you know, to help us out, but these these capitalists, they don't like that. They hate it. And so they demonize it by saying, "Well, entitlements is bad," when really entitlements aren't bad. And then they'll even call it something like government handouts. And they'll be like, oh, well, you're getting a handout from the government. It's a handout. Let me ask you this, okay? You go to the bank. You go to the bank and you reach the teller. And when you reach the teller, you say, I want to make a withdrawal out the bank. Let's say you want to withdraw $100, right? You withdraw $100 out the bank, and you're sitting there, you're counting the 20s, 20, 40, 60, 81. Somebody comes over and goes, you're despicable. Why are you accepting a handout? Does that make sense? Is it a handout when you withdraw the money from your own account in the bank? Is that a handout? If it's our money, and we take it out, and if it's given to us, it's appropriated for us, is it a handout? 
Answer that, please. Is it a handout if it's your money? Because guess what? If it's my money, I'm going to be like J.G. Wentworth. It's my money, and I need it now. Guess what? <laughs> it is not a handout. It is our money. And we are supposed to choose and how we want proportionally that money to go. The crazy part is nobody ever wants to say, oh, well, we're paying for all this military budget. We're doing all these subsidies to these, these fossil fuel companies. We're doing all these subsidies to these, to these big pharma, even though the research and development for the pharmaceuticals that big pharma likes to sell is actually done and, and, and you know, in our universities and research done in our colleges and universities. A lot of the things that we have, like, for instance, our phones and things like that, a lot of the things that were developed in different parts of this phone were actually developed in colleges and universities under in our, in our R&D. And then what happens is these companies will take the patents and they'll make the, and, and you know, and they'll lock them in and then they will sell the products and make billions off of it. Just like they did with insulin, even though the creative insulin the person who helped research and create it sold the patent to the country for $1, saying that it should be for everybody. And what do these private companies do? Well, they keep a hold of it. And they only change one little tweaky thing just to, you know, keep that patent there. And then, guess what? They upcharge you hundreds of percent for something that's life-sustaining and life-saving. And so calling it entitlements is actually an accurate description. But I think we need to take that back. Yes, it's an entitlement. I'm entitled to it. Pay me my money. Right? But here's the thing. When they talk about uh, cutting, they're always talking about, oh, we just can't afford it. How many billions did we send to Ukraine? Oh, wait a minute. Y'all can come up with all that money to send to Ukraine, right? Y'all can come up with all them billions to send to Israel, right? While, while, while they're doing massacres against Palestinian people. And yet, we can't even give clean water to our people, especially some of the First Nation people. We can't, we can't adequately give you know, those of us who are disabled and elderly a living income so that we can actually live and y'all want to privatize it so that these corporations will put a financial barrier in between it? Nah. Nah. Oh, and by the way, Back in 2020, let's go back a couple of years. Let's go back to 2020. What 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 did our government do? Oh yeah, that's right. When the the bottom was falling out of the stock market, what did the government do? The government actually propped up the the, the stock market with four trillion dollars, just so that the rich people won't feel nervous. 
by the way, 80% of all stocks are actually owned by the richest 1%. So we can give all that money to them out, out of the blue. But yet, when it comes to grandma and your cousin that's disabled, no, no soup for you. Is that right? Does that make sense? Always money for the billionaires. Always money for the people who have the most of it, but nothing for the people who have barely any of it. Hmm. Sounds like our system is messed up. Let me get to Rockfin really quick. Whoa, Roger. Roger got a lot of things to say. All right. Let me share my screen really quick. Whew. Roger, you weren't playing. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I should enlarge this all right okay thanks for the tip right on rockfin roger meadows roger said at mark one minute 45 seconds of that same show when dr wolf spoke about eighty thousand new yorkers and new nyc are homeless my solution outlaw private equity from owning houses and residential apartments and apply eminent domain oh excuse me over them until until a one person owner is ready to buy a house or apartments that marker of four minutes 45 seconds when he spoke about credit card debt hit one i'm sorry hit 16 trillion your solution government jobs guarantee with the starting wages where our 25 percent of monthly income is enough to pay for local rents costs for a two-bedroom apartment depending on where you st your state you live my solution set minimum wage to be permanently above local rent rates with 25 percent of monthly income is enough to pay for a two-bedroom apartment depending on where you live in your state absolute first of all i'm gonna stop right there absolutely roger i completely agree thank you let's continue Levy a wage tax on large corporations to be given to small, mid-sized businesses to help pay for labor costs. Stop businesses from only hiring part-time so they don't have to pay out as much and automatic double of the minimum wage if they make them work 20 hours or less. So this is a way workers at the end of the day will get the same amount whether they work full-time or part-time. Ooh. Say it to me, brother. At 6 minute 50 seconds when he said U.S. is losing to China on the world stage that we pushed for so much via Clinton, uh, World Trade Organization, NAFTA, and Obama's TPP. Uh, NAFTA is uh, North American um, Free Trade Agreement, and uh, TPP is the Trans-Pacific Trans Partnership. He said, yes, I agree Obama was right that if we don't do something china is going to control the world stage but his solution was terrible 
and so are the Warhawks. TPP would have further decimated American-made manufacturing and skirted environmental regulations. The way forward should be American-made manufacturing via worker cooperatives. A Reuters article said China is trying to secure a lithium mine from Chile as major economies are all aiming to shift the electric cars in the global fight against climate change. The silvery white alkali medical, I'm sorry, metal has been increasingly called the new oil and white gold, the fact white gold and the fact that China and Argentina are forging closer ties has touched a nerve among Western countries, which has vowed to reduce their dependence on lithium from China. Meanwhile, Chinese experts contend that the country's global pursuit of the metal metal is based on market demands and equates to business as usual for Chinese firms. The top six countries with the most lithium reserves are China, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, Australia, and U.S., mostly in Nevada, but also California, North Carolina, and Maine. Yeah, I think Maine. Together with advances in recycling technology, we can mine here in the U.S. However, opponents, including the Sierra Club, have raised concerns that the project could harm scarce, I'm sorry, sacred indigenous lands and jeopardize fragile ecosystems and wildlife. But the project can also benefit the environment in the long run by getting fossil fuel burning cars off the road, said Glenn Miller. Um, sorry, oops. Emeritus Professor of Environmental Sciences at the University of Nevada. The fact that China and Argentina are forging closer ties has touched a nerve among Western countries, which have vowed to reduce their dependence on lithium from China. Meanwhile, Chinese experts contend that the the country's global pursuit of the metal is based on market demands and equates to business as usual for Chinese firms. Now, this is Roger talking. As it looks like, we are seeing the emerging of a new natural resource that wars will be fought over and whose excavation can bring harm to the environment, even if we mine for it here. Seeing that the main driver of wars has been large companies owned and ran by a few people who are not concerned with the community's environment and their workers who they put at risk, but only their profit margin, it is imperative that we begin now the process of replacing corporations with worker co-ops around the world, starting right here. When the workers come from the community, they won't outsource their jobs or automate. This is very important. They put not say not put themselves at risk in the workplace, put their environment and community at risk because they live there. That's a very solid point. Also, be able to establish their own supply chains. Also, Mark Moses, who invented the machine responsible for taking the water vapors out of the air, aka humidity caused by climate change and convert to H2O, would be perfect for this. I've seen that. I've seen that guy. Yeah, you, you sh- I think you showed me that person. Very, very interesting uh, machine that he that he built. If you can't keep or maintain something federally, then get it done in your state. Push for a ballot initiative if you live in states that allow you to amend your state constitution, like Florida. I hear you, Roger. Via ballot initiative that calls for state uh, version of Social Security using ballot initiatives with mandatory funding enshrined in state constitution. 
Now couple that with a ballot initiative to push for a public bank that create a surplus to help keep it solvent. And thank you so much for all that, Roger. That was a lot, but that was also very important. Thank you so very much for all that information. Roger Meadows, once again, with the receipts. Whew. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I appreciate that, that as well. Um, one of the things that I want to also bring up in regards to uh, this whole thing about Social Security is that I'm going to go to this point. Because I think this is also very important. Um, people are constantly talking about the, the, the deficit. They're like, oh, my God, the deficit. And there is an interesting point by Dr. Stephanie Kilton. And... I just like to bring this out really quick. A couple points. Um, now, you have some people who, you know, don't think that the government works in the way that M M MMT uh, educators think it works, whereas, you know, MMT people, you know, I mean, the case is pretty much made by people who support MMT because, I mean, look at what we did. Look at what we're doing with the... Uh, sending money to Ukraine, like what we're doing, we did with, you know, the sudden, you know, $4 trillion that we dumped into the markets. I mean, it just kind of solidifies the point, but I just want you guys to uh, just to listen to this really quick. And actually, let me mute myself really quick before I move on this. When things break, we have an opportunity. We can pick up the pieces and put them back together the old way, or we can look for better ways to build. COVID broke everything. It put a spotlight on the many deficits in our economy, in employment, education, healthcare, housing, and it showed how inequality made it all worse. Here in the U.S. and around the world, governments did some extraordinary things. They sent money to people directly to help them buy food and pay rent. They provided free COVID testing and expanded health care to cover more of the population. They gave money to businesses to help keep them afloat while much of the economy was temporarily shut down. They offered debt relief to millions of people who borrowed money to go to college. They did all of this and more without raising taxes or having a prolonged battle over the usual question of how to pay for it. To me, this was exciting. 
And I'm an economist, so I don't say that a lot. <laughs> But as someone who's been trying to change the way we think about deficits and government spending, I saw this as an opportunity to show why government budgets don't work like household budgets, why all of their red ink is really our black ink, and why our nation can afford to keep investing in the things we need, even after spending trillions to fight the pandemic. For a while, it looked like the US and other countries were starting to break the mold on the old way of thinking about deficits and taxes. But now, here we are, just a handful of months after all of that bold action, and we're sliding back into our old habits of thought. Can we build affordable housing and fix crumbling infrastructure? Can we expand Medicare to include dental, vision, and hearing? Can we tackle our climate crisis? As Congress debates these questions, everyone is back to asking, how will you pay for it? That's the integral question. Right. Ultimately, what uh, a lot of these politicians, especially the GOP politicians are saying, they're like, well, if you know, if you have it, you know. If we continue this, then we won't have a way to pay for it down the line, really. And then looking at, you know, the way, you know, Stephanie Kilton puts it. Actually, they're just bullshitting you. Think about it this way. There are private corporations chomping at the bit for Social Security to be privatized. Why? Because then they can put that profit barrier there and make more money off of you. And then once you have a profit barrier there, then guess what happens? More people suffer. That's what happens. You don't think they're not going to put a, a, a barrier there so that they can continuously bring in more money and then start denying more people their, their rights, their entitlement? They definitely will. Once it goes into private hands, it is no longer an entitlement. Because now they will put place, you know, barriers in place for basically saying, no, nah, no, nah, you can't have it. Oh, well, we set up these, these policies that you just, you're just not eligible, sorry. You think it's difficult to get it now? Wait till it's privatized, if they ever get that far. Um, and my, let me see my notes here. Uh, This doesn't scroll like YouTube does. Sorry about that. Mm, I'll start here. All right, let me mute myself back again. Think about government deficits. Just as a six becomes a nine when we view it from a different angle, 
A government deficit becomes a financial surplus when we look at it from another perspective. A deficit hawk might look at this picture and see nothing but a sea of worrying red ink. That's not how I look at it. Here's what I see. I see what's happening on the other side of the government's ledger. When the government spends more than it taxes away from us, it makes a financial contribution to some other part of the economy. Now, of course, what one of the foundations of MMT states is that you don't run out of government the same way you run a household because a household is a currency user, not a currency issuer versus the government is actually a currency issuer. And because we are no longer under the gold standard, I think we were taken off the gold standard by by Richard Nixon. Now that standard basically no longer exists. So basically the government really can never go broke because it's not based on a supply of gold to back it. So uh, the government basically issues out and pays out this money and then it taxes some of it back. So that's actually how the government works. And so it's basically, she likens it to being like a scorekeeper. If the government is the scorekeeper, can you actually run out of points to score? No, you can't. So that being said, then the government actually sends that money out. But that money that's sent out, even though that's considered a deficit in the government, that's considered a surplus to the private sector. And thus, that means there's more money out there. So that's basically what she's talking about. Uh, I'm not as rushed up on MMT as a lot of the people. I, I'm, I'm going to try to get some people on. But that basically means that because they are literally the creators of the money, if you create the money, you really can't go broke. So the only thing to really regulate is inflation. You can't go broke. So when you have these, especially these capitalists that are like, oh, my God, the government is going to go broke. That's like treating it like it's a household or a state. A state is also a currency user because they actually get their currency from the federal government. A household gets, we get our currency basically from the current, the federal government by means of working our jobs from that money. And, you know, the jobs get the money, you know, from banks. So that being said, then guess what? We can go broke. States can go broke. But the the federal government, it can't. (laughs) You just can't. So with that being said, and then, you know, as far as taxation is concerned, one of the things that I, I don't, I didn't hear her mention in this. But taxation is also very important, especially for people who are wealthy, because people having an excess amount of money, so much so to move governments, it's an extremely dangerous thing that means you can actually will the government to do whatever you want to do just by having billions of dollars. With that being said, and that means that it no longer is one person, one vote. It's the person who has the most dollars can determine what the government does. And so that's what makes it dangerous. This is why taxing the shit out of billionaires is actually a good thing because it takes that amount of power and it diminishes it back down to one person, one vote. That's why taxation is also very important. It's one of the reasons why. Okay, so uh, let me continue. Their red ink is our black ink. When you look at it this way, it becomes clear that every deficit is good for someone. 
The question is, for whom? And what are those deficits being used to accomplish? And that's the question. That's the question. Because when the government spends, it's considered a deficit, right? But the question is, whom is it being spent on? Right? And the thing is, if it's being spent on infrastructure, healthcare, education, if it's being spent in a larger quantity on these things, right? If it's being spent, if 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 deficits are being spent on, for instance, creating a more green infrastructure for our planet, because deficits to me from a federal perspective deficits i think of what is called investments that's basically what it is so what is the country investing in by the way let's make one thing clear when we say that the government has a national debt of these million trillions of dollars that is just the amount of money that the government literally has and money that's out in circulation in the private sector that's basically all it is the government can't go broke so the government really doesn't have debt like you and i it just means it printed it printed or made that much money and it put it out there so now those trillions of dollars are circulating in our country and around the world right and then it's creating goods services jobs things like that and then the government can tax it back right in order to regulate inflation and also if they did what they were supposed to do, it would also keep the power of these oligarchs and billionaires from becoming too much so that then they can control the government even more, even though they already control the government, which is one of the reasons why we got to get rid of capitalism. But that, that being said, what is it used for? Who's getting all that money? What is all that deficit spending going towards? Is it going towards Honeywell? Northrop Grumman? Is it going towards Boeing? Is it going to Lockheed Martin? Hmm. Because guess what? It seems that that's what all that money's going towards. And yet, when we talk about things for actually for us that would actually benefit us, Oh, we can't do it. We can't do it. But the moment they need more money in the Department of Defense, they give it like it is a favorite child. Oh, you need this much money. Oh, you need, oh, you need, you need $800 billion. Let's give you $30 billion more than what you asked for. It's okay. Boop, I love you. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. They will get, they, they will, they will literally throw money at the Department of Defense. Go, hey, 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 you need more money? Here you go. Oh, oh, you asked for more? Okay, let me let me take it more out of my pockets. But then let us, let us, the people actually come for, um, can, uh, do you think we can get some money for education? Can you at least, at least cancel $10,000 of student loan debt? Oh, no, no. Can you cancel 50000 the student loan debt? No, no, no. We can't. Uh, we're, no, 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 no. You, you can't have all that money. No, 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 no. You can't do it. Um, 
can we expand social security for the people who are disabled and and, and retired because they're literally living in poverty? No, 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 no. We can't do that with entitlements. No, 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 no. There's too much. Can we improve Medicare to give us, you know, dental vision and, you know, and hearing and long-term care and expand it maybe at, at, at least, you know, to, to, to the age 50? No, 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 no. We can't do that. It's too much money. That's gonna cost. That's gonna cost you know fifty billion dollars. Then here comes the the military industrial complex. Hey, Dad, I need a hundred million dollars. Oh man, a hundred million? Here's a hundred and fifty million. And then they look at us and go, "We didn't stand there looking at for. Go back there and die." Basically. And so, <laughs> it's about it's about priorities. The priorities of our government is really just supplying the death machine, right? Instead of supplying a machine that can help, you know, create more life, then guess what? Like, no, no, you can't do that. But death machines, right? The F-15s and, and the aircraft carriers, and the javelin missiles? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Spend as much as you possibly need. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if it's something life-saving, Defense Production Act for 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 ventilators? No, no, no. We can't do that. No, no. We yeah, no, no, no. We, we or 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 even if they do do it, they do it so reluctantly, so reluctantly that it's like it's like they're tight-fisted. You can barely open. You need the jaws of life to open it up. It's crazy. <laughs> Elizabeth, I'll come with you with a neck bone in my head. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just sound like Red Fox. But anyways, yeah, that's how it is, right? I was trying to do my J. Jonah Jameson voice, but, you know, same thing. Similar, I should say. Anyway, let's continue. It matters how the money is spent and who ends up with the resulting surplus. Tax cuts that deliver huge windfalls for those at the top without sparking investment and opportunity for the rest of the population don't make good use of deficits. On the other hand, spending trillions to support the economy during the pandemic put the deficit to good use. We just had the shortest recession in U.S. history. To me, that was fiscally responsible. Being responsible shouldn't mean running the government's finances like a household. Instead of trying to keep the deficit in check, Congress should be focused on keeping inflation in check. That's the real limit on spending. And it's the thing to watch out for if you're thinking about spending trillions on things like infrastructure, healthcare, and free college. Instead of asking, how will we pay for it? Congress should be asking, how will we resource it?
And that's basically the point. But the thing is, they don't want to pay for it. Because guess what? If you uplift everybody, right, then that means there's less money for whom? If the money starts to go towards the people collectively, who is that less money for? The rich, the people at the top. They don't want it to go to us. They want it to go to them because they're greedy. Because they think that it's better in their hands. When in reality, it's been better in our hands the entire time. So, yeah. Here's the thing. As somebody that's on disability, that does get Social Security disability. I already get the, the amount and benefits I get is wholly inadequate. If you were to take the amount of benefits that I get per month and break it down to what it would be per hour for a 40 hour work week, it would be less than $9 an hour. A couple weeks back, I did a show talking about housing. And if I remember correctly, you need to make around 26, I think 26 to $27 an hour in order to afford a two bedroom apartment in Florida. So under $9 an hour, right? You need about $26 an hour in order to survive. How does that make, how does that make sense? Never mind the fact that those of us who are on social security disability, were not automatically enrolled in something like section eight or any other type of, of housing program. We're not automatically enrolled. And then on top of it, even just getting in is a task and a half. Talk to anybody who's on social security or on disability. Ask them how they're doing financially when it comes to what they get, especially when they don't have anything else coming in. Ask them. We're not okay. And so when you have people like these austerity-loving hawks, I'm going to be as kind, I'm not, I'm not going to cuss because I'm trying to make my language more, I'm trying to make my videos more accessible to everybody because I don't want to, you know, limit, you know, if somebody wants to hear it around their kids or not, because that's important. These hawks. They literally want to doom us because they somehow in their mind think, well, if it's in the hand of private corporations, it's going to be better. And so, first of all, 
just politically speaking, trying to cut Social Security or privatize it is a political nightmare. You want to know why? Who's the biggest block of voters in this country? It's the elderly. They're the ones that vote. You touch Medicare, you touch Social Security, you're asking to get shellacked. Now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to do more covert ways in order to get rid of it. What we call death by a thousand cuts. And so it's a it's a tactic what they use to weaken it, right? So instead of just, you know, like say for instance, you're 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 trying to you're trying to slow this big animal that's called social security down, instead of just trying to take a hammer and bludgeon it to death, which would make everybody, you know, go, oh my God, what are you doing? What they're doing is they're taking a little box cutter, stabbing it here, stabbing it there. They cut it here, cut it there, and they cut it so many different times, and it slows down even more, slows down even more. Then it slows down. You start to see it crawling. It's not running as fast as it used to. It's not operating as good as it used to. And then guess what? Then that's when they say, you know, it's not working that good. We told you that if the government gets a hold of it, it's not going to work. It's just not. So guess what they do? Then they make the case, well, it will be better in the private sector. Let's, let's, let, let's privatize it. It'll work so much better. And then once you privatize it, then guess what? Then they start to make even further cuts. Then they start to kick people off or deny people. And they start racking up that money from the government. And they start making more money off of it. And guess what? Next thing you know, you start seeing the death of a lot more older people and a lot more disabled people because they just can't live. That's how they're doing it. That's how it's been done. And so, you know, this is the plan that they're trying to do. And I'm going to be honest with you. The Democrats... They stand idly by when these things happen. They they pretty much do. You may have one or two that'll go, oh no, we, we we can't do that. We can't allow that to happen. But they're in line with big business too. So yeah. But yeah, so that's the news that has been going on. Man, I'm running late. I gotta get to RBN. But yeah, so that's basically is what's going on with the um that's what's going on with with them. Uh so let me let me read these uh the chat right before I go. Right before I go. All right. So Thanks for the tip on Rockfin, Roger. He says, ways we point to dough. One, 
Congress, they have the coinage power vested in them by the Constitution to mint a coin, assign a value and target it towards whatever you want. I say mint a platinum or palladium coin value at 200 trillion and put it towards national debt. Now we have a surplus. Two, the Treasury Secretary can do the same. Three, the banks, when they are granted licenses to print money by Congress or the Fed, take hang on, uh, sorry, take in deposits, mark them up, and issue outlines of credit. Public banks does this with tax deposits, using them to finance infrastructure projects that creates jobs in the public sector, which generate income taxes, which gets paid back to the public bank, while interest, uh, while interest generated creates a surplus. Also, replace corporations with co-ops. You won't have to worry about them coming after our social security. Absolutely. Speaking of public banks, Chicago Congressman Danny Davis, author of the National Infrastructure Bank Bill, H.R. number 3339, would be a national public bank that would make investment in infrastructure an automatic without having to create new taxes or raise existing taxes, bringing in $100 trillion in infrastructure investments. Uh, Roger Meadows, also, thank you. You asked who to have on your show. If you want, I can get... Uh, Alfeca Mertedi of the National Infrastructure Bank Coalition on your show if you like to interview her. Yes. Yes, Roger. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. Show her I said yes, too. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, the next tip says, along with having a state version of Social Security and Medicare for All through ballot initiative, have another ballot initiative that says any change in that state legislator wants to do it Due to it, must ask the voters first through a legislative referral spelling out exactly how they wish to change it. Thank you so much for that, Roger. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, I definitely want to speak to her because uh, that is very important. Um, I think that we need to bring that into the ether to talk about. Hello also to you, Rory O'Neill, watching on Rockfin. I appreciate it so very much um now <clears throat> let me do one more chat mary paquette says why can't more of us understand that privatizing social security will mean that corporations will not only need money to run social security but also will be taking a cut for profit yeah thank you so very much for that um and I have to get going. So good to see everybody in here. VS Adams says, same with under underfunded public schools failing if they bring in charter schools as a solution. Yeah. So basically, that's what is, is going on. And so they're trying to privatize it. And it's horrible. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things I think that we need to, to focus in on. Um, so yeah, I'm running very late. I think RBN should be starting in about a minute or so. Um, go over to RBN. I'm gonna be on RBN live. I'll be talking about some subjects there. Uh, but I hope that you guys enjoyed this stream. Uh, if you guys have not, please make sure to like the stream and also click the link bell. If you're not subscribed, why not? Please make sure to subscribe. Thank you to everyone. 
who also is contributor on my Rockfin as well as my coffee. Thank you so very much. Um, been going through a lot. It really helps. Oh, Bill Bradley. I didn't get to say hello to you. I want to make sure. Bill Bradley. Hello to you. Good to see you. Um, Bill says Maine just straight up started giving voucher parent, uh, giving voucher parents can use to give public money to send their kids to private school directly. Oh gosh, which is just fun public uh, public education. But yeah, and Michelita, thank you so much. I'll see you. I've been seeing you. Thank you so much. Great points, by the way, in the chat. So uh, also be sure later this week I'll be doing Blood in My Eye and reading Dirty Truth by Michael Parenti. I'm trying to hurry up and get out of here. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, uh, I'm going to be having on my friend Michelle. We're going to be talking about being disabled in this space. She's going to be on next week, so I can't wait to have her on. And also, uh, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday, I'm also going to be having a special guest. This person is actually a presidential candidate. And no, they're not part of the duopoly. So that's going to be a fun episode. So that's going to be great. Uh, so thank you so very much. Support all the people, especially who are disenfranchised that you know of. Uh, start thinking about the First Nation people, our indigenous population, uh, and you know, continuously support anybody who you know is disenfranchised. And also, you know, if you can do a little bit of mutual aid for anybody that you can, please make sure to do so because we save us, not these yahoos that are running our government, but, you know, on behalf of the the elite. I don't even call them elites because they're horrible, but, you know. Um, so I just want to make sure I did that. So thank you so much. Absolutely, Cobra Commander. Cobra! Okay. Anyway, I got to get going. All right. Uh, oh, V.S. Adams. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. All right. I'll see you. Got to go. All right. Look, water your plants. Water yourselves. Lead the world. Better than you found it. Forehead kisses and smoke them if you got them, everybody. I love you. Woo! All right. Woo! In my house. In my house.